Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one hopeful page of Talmud every day. It's day four of our holiday week on the podcast, and by now, you know exactly what that means. It means just me today, no guests, but boy, do I have a story for you. It's from our sister podcast, Unorthodox, and even if you've heard it when it originally aired, you're still in for a treat. But first, as always, the Talmud. On today's page, Nadarim 65, the rabbis teach us a valuable lesson. Have a listen. Rabbi Abba raised an objection from a later Mishnah. If one said, I will not marry ugly so-and-so, as that is kunam or forbidden for me, and she is in fact beautiful, or if he called her black and she is in fact white, or if he called her short and she is in fact tall, he is permitted to her. Not because she was ugly and became beautiful, black and became white, or short and became tall, but rather because the vow was mistaken from the outset. Granted, according to Rav Huna, who said that he is considered like one who makes his vow dependent on a matter, the Mishnah here taught the case of one who makes his vow dependent on a matter, and it taught there the case of a mistaken vow. In other words, the rabbis tell us among the most miraculous qualities we humans possess is the ability to change our minds, to grow, to sober up and say, huh, I guess this person who I always thought was ugly is actually beautiful. And I can say this not because they suddenly grew five inches or became fit or got hair plugs. Rather, I could say this because I changed. I evolved. I, as the kids say, did the work. And I'm now in a place where I can approach people in a healthier, more constructive way. A while back on Unorthodox, we ran a story about precisely such a transformation. About a man who was hurt and hurting others, blaming everyone in his life for his own destructive behavior. But he came through and he turned his life around. And well, let's just say that this story has exactly the sort of happy ending we all need this time of year when the days are short and it gets dark early. I hope it brings you some much needed holiday cheer. J.Crew, if you heard our apology episode for the Jewish year 5779, you will surely remember Hal Karp. He told a story about repairing his relationship with his brother. He was one of our favorite guests, and he got in touch with us and said that he had some news that he wanted to update us on. So we were excited to have him at our Cincinnati live show where he told us this story. Our super fans and many longtime listeners, or people who have just been with us for even just a year, if you've been through with us through a Yom Kippur, uh, in the fall, you've heard that what we do for Yom Kippur is our annual apology episode. And that's because Yom Kippur is not just a time for atoning with God, but also for apologizing to other human beings. Two years ago on the apology episode, we invited a gentleman who is a, a, a writer and storyteller, lives down in Texas, to um, tell a story of atoning with people whom he felt he had wronged. Uh, it was a wonderful story, got a lot of tremendous feedback, and then we didn't hear from him for a while, but we were, we were proud of that episode. And then we heard from him a couple months ago, and it turns out that the story only got more interesting. So, to talk about that, please welcome Hal Karp. So, um, Hal, welcome. 
Welcome to the show for the second time. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about the story that you told us? Bring people up to speed if they didn't hear that story. My original story was about in 1990, I was in Dallas and living with my brother. And I was also secretly, he did not know this, a full-blown alcoholic and drug addict. And he had invited me to become his roommate because we were going to be like two hip and cool Jewish guys living together, except that I was not hip and cool. I was addicted. And I took advantage of that situation every chance I got. I never once paid him rent and lost every job I had within weeks. And it just got really bad really fast. At one point, I had manipulated a situation to actually have him arrested and sent to jail instead of me. And he went to jail. And he did not do anything wrong. I, I actually obviously did the wrong thing. My family then obviously excommunicated me. My addiction got worse. I committed a variety of criminal acts and uh, got sober and always wondered, how do you make amends for that? In the 12-step program that I was in, I was told that if you ask God to show you a way, they'll show you a way, like a door will open. And my brother, after I was sober a while, my family realized I was serious about being sober. He needed to have surgery and my family, everybody else was out of town. And he asked me if I would come stay with him and take him to the hospital for surgery and pick him up and then take care of him. So I got to basically for one week be the the roommate that I never was. And I got to fix it. You told that story at beautifully greater length on our show. And people should go back and listen to that, that episode from 2018. And then you heard from somebody. I did. So there was a girlfriend that I had dated Back in 1993, she was a a wonderful girl. We had a great connection, except I was pretending to be sober. I would actually go to 12-step meetings and like stay sober a couple of weeks, a couple of months, but I was lying about really being sober. And in order to take care of herself, she broke up with me. And I was so angry about that because when you're a drug addict, you're fucking angry all the time. It's everybody's fault except yours. And I stole her identity and got several credit cards in her name and ran those up. Of course, I had a plan, like, I'll pay them and nobody will know, and, but that didn't really work out very well. I got a phone call from her mother and her, and they had found out. At the time, she was actually teaching English in Costa Rica, and I thought, she'll never find out she's in Costa Rica. This was my plan. By the time she gets back, I'll win the lottery and, <laughs> and, and pay back these cards. I, I really had like some insane plan like that. So I remember after she found out, this is August 3rd, 1994, she had called me and, uh, and said, why would you do this to me? And I remember when we hung up, I remember thinking like, how could I do this to somebody that I really loved as deeply as I loved her? Her name's Irene. I just remember thinking, how did I get here? you know, and that I was probably going to go to prison. That was the night that I actually got down and and prayed to God for the first time for real. I really said, God, if you're there, I need help. And the next day was the first day of my sobriety. Oh, you guys don't know what's coming. (laughs) You're clapping now. So the story, there was the piece in there about the felonies. You know, when you get sober, you know, the first thing you want to do is like, I want to call her. I want to call her, you know. 
and your, your people that help you in sobriety tell you your way to make amends to her is you're never going to bother her again. You know, like she knows how sorry your ass there's is. There's people you apologize to, and there's people who... There the, are people that your way to apologize to them is to never bother them ever again. So I got a Facebook message from her, and she had heard the story on the podcast. And she said, I heard the story. It brought back some memories. I was glad to hear that you are doing well and healthy. I'm divorced. I'm living in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and um, I hope you're doing well. I wrote her back and said, thanks for getting in touch. And, and as I was typing that, I realized one of the things they tell you when you're like, I want to talk to her, I want to talk to her. And they're like, you're never going to talk to her. Is if you're supposed to talk to her one day, if you're supposed to make amends, God will open that door. Can we bring her up now? Where's Irene? Irene, will you come on up? And Josh will even get you a chair. All right. Irene, you sit here. Yeah, come I'll close. sit on the outside. Thank you, Irene, for joining us all the way from Arkansas. Okay. So, hi. <laughs> from your end, is this on? Yes. You're a fan of unorthodox, <laughs> I gather. Or you at actually, least... you know what? I have, I, I cannot tell a lie. Okay. Um, I, I, I am now a fan of unorthodox. Um, at the time, I had this. Hal had always been the love of my life, and I was truly heartbroken by everything that happened. Um, and when. An, I was in a weird spot every now and then. I would just Google his name or Facebook, you know, like look him up on Facebook. I mean, no, not like stalk, but like, you know, every five years or so. And That's I, funny because I actually stalk my exes on Facebook. That's <laughs> I, 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 I full on just, well, it's Google, but I just Google them. I mean, it, I, no I, shame here. I told Hal a story about like when my marriage was really, really bad. There was one year I actually drove by his family's house for Thanksgiving and just was like, longing for like we used to go over to his family's house for Sunday dinner and it was just it was one of the sweet memories that I had right and my marriage was falling apart and I just I mean I remember like going to therapy and I'm like what's wrong with me <laughs> I'm like driving by my ex-boyfriend's house like you know and he like did this horrible thing to me and whatever so last September ish I had one of those Facebook moments and he had just posted a link to the podcast so I'm like Hmm, interesting. So I'll click on the link, and, you know, and then I listened to the story and I was kind of blown away by how gentle and how human his story was. And, and obviously there was a reference to what he had done to me. And so, yeah, I did. I mean, I, with, with, with no intention other than to reach out and say, I, I'm, I listened to your story. I'm glad you're healthy. I hope you're happy. That was it, right? I'm guessing you didn't tell your best girlfriends that you did this. Oh, no, no. <laughs> like, the guy who stole your identity, the, <laughs> right? They, I mean, actually, it's, it's amazing how much grace your friends have when, when they hear, like, the whole story. But we definitely... Well, that's kind of fast forward. Let's 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 so rewind. Know. Okay. I mean, which one of you wants to take it from there? Why don't you tell us what happened then? So they say if you're supposed to do this, God will open the door. So I remember thinking in that very moment, this is it. This is the chance to make amends to Irene. The money that I had I paid the bank back when I got sober I ended up not going to prison, which was a whole other God <laughs> story. But I had never made amends for stealing her identity and for harming her violating her trust, stealing her peace of mind. 
So I messaged her back and said, you know, if you're ever in Dallas, let me know. We could meet for coffee and I can give you the apology that you're long overdue to have. She wrote back and said, I would welcome that. That would be a gift that I never thought I would get in this lifetime. Just because, you know, when you have the opportunity to get closure on something that has haunted you for so long, it, it was, I was that. It was like I was, it was seeking closure, right? And so you traveled to Dallas. Well, so I actually used to live in, I mean, I lived in and out of Dallas for over 20 years and um, had relocated to Arkansas in 2015 and traveled back and forth to Dallas on a regular basis. My kids have friends there and my company has an office there. And so my clients are there. So anyway, there was a trip that was going to happen and then it didn't happen. And anyway, we wound up meeting for coffee at the end of November last year. A year ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to do a couple of conference calls before we met. And uh, so I'm already sitting at this place. What he had picked, by the way, it was quite ironic. He picked a place called, I mean, if those of you who know Dallas, there's a place called Cafe Brazil. It's right off the highway. And we used to go there. And so when he suggested like a place to meet and he suggested that, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Excuse me. I'm sorry. No, I, the only reason I suggested it was because she she said I had conference calls to to do and they have Wi-Fi. I was like, I was like, could there be any more irony in this reconnect than freaking Cafe Brazil? I'm like, okay, whatever, no problem. I will meet you there, right? So I'm on a call. He walks in. He just kind of saunters in. I'm speechless because I had a lot going on in my life. One of my kids was at the end of a rough patch and I was dealing with that and dealing with work and being a single parent and all of this, these things and in walks this person that I'm telling you like the memory of standing in the street in front of his parents' house and him putting my hand on his heart and telling me about the this, this still small voice, you know, like this man walks in and like everything disappears, right? And I'm on a conference call for work and I'm like, okay, keep your head, you know? And we just started talking and kind of, we just got caught up. And at the end we like, we walked out and I said, so I'm kind of a hugger, can I give you a hug? I mean, it was like nothing, no, like nothing, right? And he gave me this hug that was like, was everything. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, I melted and I got in my car and I started to cry. By that time, he had pulled out of the parking lot. And I sent him a message, and I said, thanks for seeing me. Um, it, it means everything. And, and then when I left Dallas that Sunday night, I just I sent, sent him a thanks again message. And from the day we met for coffee, I don't think there's been a single day where we haven't talked FaceTime. So my birthday is December 6th, right? So 12 plus 6 is high. 18. 18. And um, he said to me in this text, he said, you said you had an upcoming birthday. And I always remembered your birthday because 12 plus 12, 6, 6 is 18, 18 and 18 is high. I can't tell you the number of times between last year and today that this man has just melted my heart and brought me to tears. And... Yesterday, he asked me to marry him. <laughs> so, Mazel Tov. Thank you. Um, I said yes. You said yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I got this email from Hal a couple months ago. I don't, think, I don't know if you knew you guys were going to get married then, but you were just writing to say, thought you'd like to know. 
that some good came out of, I mean, lots of good came out of because people were so moved by your story. Yeah, I think what's amazing is the spiritual aspect to the story was that I, in my spiritual journey with God, is that I was honored to tell this apology story on this podcast, which I love. And then, you know, I, I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity. This is so great and to find out that, oh, it leads, it's going to lead to another apology, you know. And, and honestly, when, when that was all I thought was going to happen, you know. Um, and then, um, and then, <laughs> and, and then I walked through that door because I'm willing to make that amends. And then that led to finding um, love forever which is, you know, Irene, if, if there's a definition of Bechert, it's Irene. <laughs> Sorry. That's so great. And so you're welcome, is what we're saying. So thank you. So listen. Thank you, guys. Yes, we owe it all to you. So th- no, 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 no. You, you, this means we have to throw the wedding. Right. <laughs> all we require is an invitation. So to your small, intimate gathering, whatever it is. Um, anyways. Can I just say one more thing? Please. Forgiveness is a gift, right? And it's a choice. And I think that we had both, in the years in between not seeing each other, done so much work on ourselves that we were in a place where that could happen. And not only that, but my mother, who I was petrified, like of all people to tell, I was petrified (laughs) to tell my mother. And they now have the sweetest relationship. It's that this is has been like the gift that keeps on giving, and I on, honestly have to pinch myself about how much good there is in my life right now. So, so. Mazel Tov, Helen Irene. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And get your Take One t-shirts and mugs at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Tanya Singer, Courtney Hazlett, Robert Scaramuccia, Mark Oppenheimer, and Sarah Fedmanator. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.